as the Global Coworking and Conference Community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of coworking since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am super excited. I just met Carly. Okay. Nimteen. Did I get it right? Carly Nimteen of the Collective Workspace last week. And I immediately was like, oh my God, you have to be on this podcast. And luckily all she said yes. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Like it was an instant connection. And so I'm excited to dig in with you. Yeah. The good news is this is all about you. Everybody has heard about me. That's old news. We want to hear about you. So first and foremost, how are you? Not your business, not your family. How are you as a human being today? Oh my gosh, that's such a loaded question. How am I? Well, I don't really know how to answer that. Let's be honest. Honestly, you know, there's like good, there's bad, there's ugly, there's, you know, parts of life that are really enjoyable with young children, mm-hmm. parts of life that are really unbearable with young children, mm-hmm. business ownership. You know, it's like you're just riding the wave. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's why I asked that question, because that's how we relate to each other, right? Is when we share the real stuff. Like, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. Like, being an entrepreneur is hard as hell. And like we were talking about last week, like, you have to get completely comfortable with being uncomfortable all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's like you just have good days, you have bad days, great weeks, you have shitty weeks. Like, I started writing in a journal in the five minute journal probably about three, four months ago. Mm, and it's like great cool. practice. It's a really good practice. But then it's like you, you go back and you're like, this week, you're like, I got it. Like, I have it, mm-hmm. you know, and like things are going. And then the next week, you're just like, you can see the progression of mm-hmm. like the ups and the down. It's definitely something that has helped me just like focus on the good things and the opportunities and just try, try and steer your focus. So it's been helpful tool for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I actually recently did something called Spinal Flow. Oh, what's where, that? Okay, so basically the idea is that a lot of like past trauma and tension and like bad energy and like post-traumatic stress like live in your spine mm-hmm. and it kind of you know and, it, and so if they went to someone who removes that energy and does a little bit of freaky and just gets mm. that that bad energy out and I got because I've said a lot of like pent-up anger and like mm-hmm. frustration and anxiety back in January I think it reached its like pinnacle and so I mm-hmm. went and it she just removed, like, I literally, I had no expectations. Like, I'm just not the one who does that kind of stuff. And I mm-hmm. went to her. I got off the table and I felt 100 pounds lighter. Wow. That's Like, awesome. 100 pounds lighter. It was, like, my, like, I was just like, what? So we can all go Google this. What's it called again? It's called Spinal Flow. Okay. I think there's only, like, they do it with, so that it's Spinal Flow and Heart Map. And so basically it's like kind of getting this bad energy and reconnecting with your heart and reconnecting with your your energy, but in like mm-hmm. good energy, not bad energy. And basically they do it in hospital with like mm-hmm. medical teams in the U.S. and with sports teams in the U.S. as well. So basically like when people need to be on like the same rhythm or really like in a high, in a high anxiety, stress reducing environment. Mm hmm. Right, like in an ER, for example, right? When you're dealing with life and death, like it's constant moving, 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 yeah. moving. Like you're dealing with like highs and 
like high and up high and lows and low of lows. And there's a lot of like trauma, like on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. right. And so they do it with those teams. There's only, I think, like three practicing spinal flow and heart math practitioners in Canada right now. And it's much larger mm-hmm. in the US. So yeah, so I did that and it really like got me back to like a more grounded state. I love that. I love that. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I did an hour and a half massage this weekend with like kind of like a Reiki healer woman and it was phenomenal. And like when she was like, and we're done, I was like, what? It was an hour and a half. And I was like, it felt like it was 30 minutes. It's never, it never feels long enough. No, no, no. But good for you. Good for you for taking care of yourself because you've got a lot going on. Y'all, she's got multiple businesses and she's had two young children during the pandemic. So yeah, you're a busy woman, but let's let's talk about the collective workspace because you guys are very niche. And we've been talking about niche at GC since 2012. And it like ebbs and flows and its popularity of like, is niche the next thing? And you've got a really successful niche co-working space. So tell us about how the collective workspace came to be and about what your niche is. Yeah. So I come from the design build industry. I run a interior design construction firm with a business partner for the last 12 years. And, you know, I studied interior design. My 70% of my friends are from that industry. And so while we were building our business, we were sharing a space with some of the other businesses. So a millwork shop, a stone fabrication shop, a construction company, and then our design company. And as we grew, you know, we were able to you know, consciously grow without, you know, incurring a ton of costs. We're able to keep it tight in terms of, you know, what we're pushing out. We shared a lot of the resources, right? So we shared our boardroom, we shared, you know, all the elements. And this is back, you know, started in 2011. And so as our company grew and, you know, took on more space, we started outgrowing the space we were in. And so we decided to look for something for you know, our company in more of the greater Toronto area. And everything we found was just, you know, going to be very expensive to build out or didn't have all the amenities that we had. And so talking to other designers and other architects and other builders, everyone was feeling the same aspect. And we were in that community of designers, architects, and go to events. But the events just, I don't know, I just felt like all the vendors were a little bit more old school. And I didn't really see something that was a little bit more based on, number one, like, you know, Orient, and number two, like, a little bit more of a younger generation or mindset, doing something a little bit differently, bringing the people together in a different scenario and working with vendors in a different aspect. So we opened up and focused on the design, architecture, and builder market just because that's the market we know. We know vendors, we know, you know, design firms, architecture firms, and we saw how they work and really like through social media was bringing everyone closer together. Mm -hmm. So we took that to the next level and we focused on that market. So we partnered with vendors to build out our space. We partnered with design firms and architects to come on as ambassadors just to, you know, continue to spread the, the idea of what we were building. And so now we have two locations. We have one in Toronto in the design district. And then we have a second one in Mississauga, which is just outside the city, close to the airport and closer to, you know, the west of Toronto and Ontario. And now we started doing offsite events as well with vendors mm-hmm. and other design firms, like in other parts of even Ontario, like Kingston and, you know, looking at doing something like Ajax and in London, Ontario. And so... 
it's not so much a co-working space anymore. It's, it's mm-hmm. now built around this commu- community of like-minded people that we're able to now take that brand and like bring it across different channels and different companies. And, you know, it's it's more so what it stands for mm-hmm. at this point. Which is, I love it. Thank you. You've built quite a community and that's awesome that you're also doing outside events. I love that. Uh, so how have things been for you post-COVID? So to be honest, like we actually ended up doubling our revenue since COVID, which is amazing. I mean, we were able to actually open. Everybody wants to know, how did you do that? Honestly, that was done through building up that presence during COVID. And so being able to now host and rent our space out for events, that that was Mm -hmm. a huge one for us. Really started like our residency just grew. And then just through the sheer aspect, people can now like come freely. And mm-hmm. third is just like being able to do in-person events for our vendors. So events like lunch and learns, events like in-person networking events, um, and also selling product through our library, through some of our white label products we start introducing into our space. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure everybody listening necessarily knows what a library means in your industry. So could you tell us a little bit what your library is like? So as a designer or architect, um, you know, you're constantly sourcing products. So wall covering, fabric, rugs, countertops, lighting fixtures, plumbing fixtures. And so every designer has typically their own library in-house. And so what we did was we created a larger library where designers can source, multiple multiple designers and architects can source from it. They can get samples. They can connect with their vendors They for their projects. They can, you know, order samples. They can purchase through the library. And so... It's basically, you know, a space where you can lay out your product, lay out your projects, present to your clients, get inspired from the different materials. And then we have vendors that come in and also focus their, like feature their product in front of our audience of designers and architects. So, I mean, if you know, if anyone knows of Kelly Wurstler, think of Kelly Wurstler, you know, what her library would look like in her office. And that's what we try to build for our residents. Mm. And so what we started doing is introducing our own product lines into that library so that its exclusivity comes out of our space. And so it allows us to really grow, you know, our revenue as well through our white label products that we've introduced to our very niche market. And that is a game changer. That is so smart. And I think that's something that like all co-working operators need to be thinking about now, which is like, what is something, what is something unique that I can bring that could be a potential additional revenue, right? Like I was talking with Kane Wilmot week before last and he's like, I'm looking at wet labs. I'm looking at medical labs. He's like looking at all these, like, what's some, like, what, what else? What next? What can we do? Because like, you know, I've talked about this a lot lately is like a lot of co-working spaces are like, we have coffee in a podcast room and a great Wi-Fi. And I'm like, that's great. So does everybody else. Like, what are you, what do you have that's unique? And because that's the thing you need to actually be leading with because you're there, you're going to have competition. So what are the things that are really unique about you and your offering? And you've got that in spades. Yeah, no, we've really, you know what, now it's like if you go anywhere, if you speak to any vendor in the design, in the design build industry, they know what the collective is because we were able to mm-hmm. really like niche down the people that they're following on social channels are people that are coming to our space. That's even how they know it. So it's not, you're, it's not just like a drop in the bucket of like the GTA and you're just a small, you know, fish in this massive pond. 
with like, for example, the design industry, it is a small industry, even though it's pretty massive, even in Toronto itself. But like what I'm finding is we're getting connected with people from like sort of all of the people that like designers that come to our state because they're influential in the, in the design community or they're up and coming. You know, it's someone that they're want to be mentored by. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like I said, because of that small industry, the the word for the space spreads like wildfire. And so then not just for us, it's not just about getting people into the offices. It's now about working with brands who want to get in front of those designers, right? And, yep. and maximizing that potential as its own revenue stream. Right. So you guys have like kind of sponsors, right? Or vendors that pay you to be part of the space. Correct. We have both. We have sponsored vendors and we have vendors that just want to come and, you know, entertain the designers or come and meet them or come Mm -hmm. and present products to them. So now it's so during COVID, that really flatlined because the nature of the fact that they can't meet them in person, they're not getting eyes on product. Mm -hmm. So now that things have been open and we've been now doing, you know, lunch and learns weekly because for us, like we're trying to show that value to those vendors Mm -hmm. as we start, you know, scaling and rebuilding, you know, value that we were able to achieve during that, you know, that transition of roughly like, you know, lovely COVID. (laughs) Hey there, hopping on to make sure you've heard our latest news. Juicy is going global again. In 2023, you'll be able to find us in the UK, Canada, and Australia. If you're ready to level up your co-working and flex-based business, Juicy's the place to be. We've got top-notch speakers, amazing networking opportunities, and the best service providers in the industry. For more information about our upcoming conferences, please visit gcuc.co. See you soon. So one thing I would love to hear from you, because I have some thoughts, and I'd love to for you to be like, yeah, or no, or validate, or that's wrong, or that's right. So I feel like post-COVID, things, you know, clearly the office industry is tanking, but like, how should people be planning design now? So for instance, I think because we all spent a lot of time at home in more comfortable, relaxed seating, I feel like we need more soft seating in our co-working spaces. I feel like we need definitely a ton of phone booths because the Zoom slash Google Meet culture is apparently never going to die. And I think, you know, everybody wants flexibility in their office, but really are demountable walls a thing that anybody actually utilizes? I feel like everybody looks at them and then nobody ever really utilizes them. So like, should we be building small offices now or should we be building big suites? Like kind of, I know that's like a really long winded question, but I would love your thoughts on like how co-working design has changed post-pandemic and some tips and tricks for our listeners. So definitely large boardrooms or even a space that you can like temporarily close off or sound yeah. because I'm finding that a lot of companies, you know, may work remote and then want to come in in one large group, you know, mm-hmm. once a month or once a quarter. And so having that, you know, before, like we were having, you know, people book boardrooms for, you know, three to four people. Now it's like eight to 12 people. Mm-hmm. And that's the sweet spot or even larger. Like we're having companies come in and having like their town hall, for example. So for, for us, like that was great because we had some areas that we didn't fully finish out and mm-hmm. they became flex areas. And so we were able to really use them for like a large boardroom or, a, you know, a large event 
you know, or sorry, like a mid-size event or a seated panel talk where it was off the beaten track. It didn't affect the residents because it was, you know, to the, the end of the space. So that was a really big opportunity and great for, you know, when you're designing your space. Another one is having kind of like two areas where one is an area when you're designing to consider like how, you know, for people want to rent space for their private event, like whether it's a Christmas dinner or a birthday party or, you know, an, an, a corporate event, they want to be able to like entertain at a bar. They want to be able to have an area they can seat tables or seat chairs and be able to have a panel talk or have an open party. And I think that's where there's a lot of revenue that can be cap- capitalized on in a co-working space because mm-hmm. people are looking left from left at these massive venues and looking at more smaller spaces that can accommodate, you know, 50 to 100 people without being a great in a great hall, right? And so, and even the cost of food, for example, is really increased. So, you know, people don't want to have it in their homes and they don't want to go to a banquet hall and have to go through, you know, a whole catering business, right? They'd rather just even make mm-hmm. food themselves or bring appetizers because the cost of food is so expensive. So that's a really, for us, like as we're defining, you know, even our second location, it was like, how do you graze the space and accommodate? So when people come in, this is where we're going to, like, typically that's where the food's going to be. People are going to mm-hmm. sit and enjoy their coffee and their networking. And then where are you going to plan for like breakout sessions or breakout panel talks? Because for us, it's been a huge opportunity to number one, get people in the space or like mm-hmm. market, right? Get people to see, you know, just that foot traffic alone is massive for us because that mm-hmm. ends up turning it for events or for different services that we can offer. Um, so that's definitely like make sure you have open spaces, but in different areas where there's like a natural separation so that you can host multiple options at the same time. Yeah. When um, I had my space in Austin, my original space, I I wanted it to be able to convert for events. So we put in tables that were on wheels that flipped. And so we mm. could we would just roll them all into a conference room. And then we had this massive empty space where we could set it up however we wanted slash needed it for events. And it worked out really well. It was, you know, not my favorite thing to set up and put back, but it definitely worked. And it bought us a ton of additional revenue. And yeah, events are great because maybe the person that's coming isn't looking for a space, but then they know somebody who needs a space because everybody knows somebody that's working at home that should be in a co-working space because they're like starting to be crazy and they need to be around other humans yeah yeah i mean for us like i mean events is probably one third of our revenue Mm. yeah so even even if i just do events where like for us we've now built into a whole program where it's there's a landmark fee there's a we have preferred catering every single thing that they want to incorporate like rent to them at at a at a daily rate and then there's a security fee there's a cleaning fee and like just those auxiliary, just mm-hmm. really even tax one another, you know, 25% on top of the rental. So with a minimum amount of time that they have to rent our space for. So, you know, I think that also comes down to the design as well, right? Like, you know, as a design firm, you know, I was able to really like dig, go in hard with like how I want the space to feel and who I want the ideal candidate, you know, and I think that's important also working with the designer. And creating a space that doesn't feel very corporate, it feels much more 
warm and inviting and there's mm-hmm. it, there's an eclectic element to it depending on you know your your aesthetic yeah yeah for sure okay so this one i just thought of and i think this will be fun so i want to think about what is what is something you think co-working space most often get wrong and what's something you think they most often get right and i'll go first so Things I most often get wrong is I cannot tell you how many co-working spaces I walk into and they've got uncomfortable chairs. Like if you don't want to sit in that chair for three hours, you shouldn't ask your members to sit in it. And so many times people are choosing design over function when it comes to chairs. And I know I said one thing, but I'm going to say another. Plugs. People need plugs. Like for God's sake, put in plugs everywhere. And I'm not talking about on the floor or under a table, or unreachable, it needs to be like right where my hand is. I don't need to search for a plug. It should just be there. And the thing I think they most often get right that I see pretty consistently is like a kitchen gathering area. Like people love to stand around the coffee pot and talk or, you know, have have a snack, have a granola bar and talk about their kid's soccer game. Like I think that's something I really consistently see in co-working spaces is we know that people gather in where the food and the beverage is, and there's always a space for that. And I love that. So now it's your turn. Okay. So I would say things that co-working spaces sometimes get wrong is modeling themselves after other co-working spaces. Ooh, say more. Yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of times, they all look very similar. And I think that's where, you know, number one, you niche down. Number two, you create a memorable moment when they're walking in so that it's social media worthy, so that, you know, they're using their time to also say like where they're at, because I think that's what creates that opportunity to say, you know, separate yourself from other companies. Because now people keep, you know, now we have this iconic like feature wall and kitchen that people are so enamored when they walk in that they take a photo of it and it's all all the backgrounds of people's photos and it just becomes this like recognizable space. And then, you know, and, and that actually is what's great about our space because people know, oh my gosh, you're at the collective. And so when people come in, they hate me, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. I see this all the time. I just, I've never been here and I'm always so excited. So it's like, it starts becoming this like, Experience where mm-hmm. you know you're going to this like on this trip you're going to see this I and mean, not to say that our space is at that it's at that level but it becomes an iconic feature when you really start to get away from what everyone else is doing and really create your own carve out your own niche so I, I would say that was what I would say would be that other cohorts get wrong or they get right aspect I definitely think that natural light is the most important thing. I mean, I've been in court spaces where there's a lot of great natural light in the center. I mean, when you walk in, but then it starts to dissipate as you, because you're, they're trying, listen, I understand you're maximizing all your square footage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of companies will put in, let's say, a glass wall, which is great. But that's one of the things I think that design, especially designers, like everyone wants natural light and especially northern facing light. If mm-hmm. you're an operator, going to get northern face light because you get beautiful natural light dissipated all day you don't need to like shut the windows it does you don't need to overheat and stimulate your um your uh, co-working space and turning up the air conditioning so if you can look for a space that has natural light it's great yeah. for plant life as well and i think that's another thing that actually co-working spaces don't may not get right is do getting as much natural elements and plant life as possible yeah for sure for sure yeah 
like plants are so important and you can really, it's interesting. I've seen a lot of co-working spaces that really have a ton of plants and it just makes such a difference. Like Uncommon in London is one that comes to mind. It's just stunning. And y'all, if you could see Carly, she is sitting with a beautiful, <laughs> it looks like a banana. Yeah, like a it's giant, a giant banana. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And it's such it's a great skylight. element. And she's got a skylight and it's just absolutely beautiful light. Of course it is. Okay, so I have one, I have maybe two more questions for you. This one's tough, but I think you're up for it, which is okay. what question should I have asked that I didn't? Like today or just in general? Mm-hmm. In the podcast. About like, you or your business that? or operating. What question should I have asked you that I haven't Okay. Yet? How do I manage running two full-time businesses? That maybe that would be a good question. Yeah. Okay. So how do you manage running two full-time businesses? Because y'all, she has the co-working space and a design business and two young children. Yeah. So that's a really tough one. I think that for me, when when we start when we decided to open up the co-working space, the thought process was we're gonna hire someone to manage the operations, someone to manage the library, and someone to manage the community. And I thought that I would just, you know, stay in the design firm because, you know, that is what was paying my bill. We have a team of around eight to twelve people on that on that company side. And I love design and it's like what I live for. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was over the last three years was that it's just not possible to spread yourself this thin, especially if you're trying to close the, you know, close the gap and try to get to the next level so that you can have the employees, right? You can accommodate for that and not run it yourself. So that was a really difficult transition to leave from the design build business and have put our staff in place and have you know, left that to really focus on the collective workspace and release, like removed having my operations manager manage it and basically let her go and totally took the role on myself mm-hmm. because too many things were like dropping. And I found that, you know, you need to have a lot of energy, especially in this industry. Yep. And you have to have that startup mindset on a daily basis with those bootstrap, you know, fun. And so I had to really put myself back in this position and have staff answer to me and me being the one sitting down with the vendors, sitting down with the new inquiry, sitting down, rebuilding the process now that COVID has subsided and things are now open to the general public. And so that for, you know, so as a woman who also has young children, like that's adds a whole other element thing because there's a guilt factor. There's the fact that, you know, you have a husband who's home and doesn't want to be that home, you know, the person that, that, you know, managing the home and having that conflict in it, in that self and knowing that, you know, you're not going to be able to do everything that you want to execute on. And you just have to like, let go and just recognize that like, you're doing the best you can. That, mm-hmm. Like that whole transition of those three, those last, last three years have been a huge, I mean, you know huge in terms of the potential that I have and you know in some one you realizing also like some staff members just can't understand that especially if they haven't been through that and mm-hmm. don't understand like what it's like to be a parent and having those responsibilities and recognizing like you need to leave at 4 30 and like that's that is what it is and you're not going to send information out today 
Yeah, I think it really helps you focus on what's important, right? And then I think the other thing that's really been resonating with me lately is I think we all think the other people have it all together. And then reality, they don't either. And we're all just trying to figure it out. And that we're all making mistakes. We're all we're we all think everybody else has got it together. And the truth of the matter is nobody's got it together. Nobody has together. (laughs) Yeah, nobody has it together. Well, Carly, you definitely have a lot of things together because you have this amazing community and you have a couple of humans you're keeping alive, which is amazing. And, you know, you've got a thriving design business. And I'm really excited for you to take the stage at Juicy Canada in September in Toronto. Y'all get your tickets. It's canada.juicy.co. And Carly will be there. Guess what? Talking about design and build and construction and your next space. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. You know, we did it. We took on the project ourselves, you know, being from Wall Street. I think we... You know, and also doing this for other companies and looking what the dollars and cents are, especially during, you know, through COVID, after COVID and seeing what those costs are to, you know, align with. I'm excited for, you know, share that and also understand from other, you know, operators what that looks like for them. Yeah, you're going to love it. All right. Thanks again. And y'all, we will see you on the next Juicy Podcast. Don't forget to like and share and follow. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast.